That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back to the Tom Harbin Program, broadcasting on commercial radio stations from coast to coast on Sirius XM all across the North American continent, on Pacifica stations across America, Europe, and Africa, on American Forces Radio, and every U.S. military base in the world, and your electronic device via TuneIn, Progressive Voices, Tom Hartman app, and simulcast as television via Free Speech TV Network on Dish Network, DirecTV, and cable systems all over the country. Fall is here, right? The leaves are starting to fall. I'm guessing it is all over the country, or at least all over the northern half. And as the leaves are falling, so are the laws. How do we take America back from the uh, suckers and the uber wealthy? Who are these suckers? How do they end up there? And that speaks to this larger issue, which is if you don't have any principles, you've got nothing. It's true of individuals, and it's true of businesses. It's true of nations. If you don't have principles, you've got nothing. And Trump has no principles. His only principle is, I win. They lose. Right? That's it. Everything is in the context of that. The reason why most of us obey the law, it's not because we're afraid of going to jail. I don't do it because it would be wrong. I understand it would be disruptive of banking and of society. I mean, you and I presumably don't walk through stores looking over our shoulders trying to figure out where the cops are to decide whether or not to shoplift something. We just don't shoplift because we know it's wrong. And this is stuff we learn when we're little kids. The difference between wrong and right, or right and wrong. We don't speed because we know... I mean, you know, we all speed a little bit, but we don't speed crazy because we all know that it's dangerous and that's why there's rules. It's not because we're afraid the cops are going to catch us. That happens very rarely. And what Trump is saying, essentially, where he says uh, that Gordon Sondland, the U.S. ambassador to the European Union, who is acting as Trump's guy in these communications with the other people involved in the whole Ukraine thing, you know, about leaning on the new president of Ukraine to, quote, get some dirt on Joe Biden in exchange for, we'll give you those weapons and that money that you wanted. Trump says, no, you, he can't testify. Why? Well, because it doesn't matter what the rules are. It just matters if I get to win in his world. And by the way, we call this sociopathy, by the way, a sickness, a pathology. 
and socio-society. A sociopath doesn't care about you know, the wealth and health of society. A sociopath cares only about themselves. And the sociopathy that Trump has inflicted upon us as a country, I mean, he's been running a sociopathic business or a series of sociopathic businesses his entire life. He inherited a sociopathic business from his daddy. And now he's running our country in a sociopathic fashion. He's surrounding himself with sociopaths, people like Bill Barr, for whom, again, the rule of the law doesn't matter. It's what you can get away with, not what's right or what's wrong. And we know that from what Bill Barr did back in 1992 doing the cover-up of Iran-Contra. But here's where it gets really, really dangerous and destructive. Trump, by doing this, is setting an example for our nation. And the maggot hats people and young people who are being exposed to this are starting to think, oh yeah, I guess the rules don't really matter. What matters is if you win. What matters is if you get your way. And now we're seeing that kind of thinking. We're seeing that at the NBA. We're seeing this in Congress. We're seeing this at the level of countries. You've got Viktor Orban in Hungary rewriting the Constitution to basically make himself above the law. You've got President Duda in Poland, same deal. I don't know if he's rewritten the Constitution yet, but he certainly passed a bunch of laws that give him more power. In the Philippines, Duterte has encouraged his police to execute over 10,000 people without trial, without even an arrest. Just walk up and shoot them in the head if you find them using drugs or think that they're using drugs. And Trump, when he called him up, says, hey, you did a great job with your war on drugs there. Yeah, see, it, what's right doesn't matter. We're seeing this now in Brazil with Jair Bolsonaro. And, oh, yeah, let's burn the Amazon. Oh, no, I didn't burn the Amazon. Hey, somebody's burning the Amazon. Well, maybe it's not burning. Maybe it is. We're seeing this in Russia. We're seeing this in the stand countries. We're seeing, I mean, you know, we're seeing that we're seeing it in Indonesia. We're seeing, you see it in India with Modi. We've been seeing it for some time now in Pakistan for, you know, a decade and a half, at least two decades. We're seeing it now in Iraq and Afghanistan. No, we're not operating on principles, they're saying. Principles don't matter. What matters is, you know, how much money we've got, if we're winning or not. Warren Buffett, back a decade or so ago, said, famously said that he pays a lower income tax rate than his secretary. And PolitiFact checked that out, as David Leonhardt points out in uh, yesterday's New York Times. PolitiFact checked that out, or day before yesterday's, and said, no, it's, this is not the norm. It may be true of Warren Buffett, but it's not the norm. Rich people actually pay more taxes than middle class people. Well, guess what? Now, as David Leonhardt reports, for the first time on record, the 400 wealthiest Americans last year paid a lower tax rate, spanning federal, state, and local taxes than any other income group. The uber-rich paid a lower tax rate than the working poor. The overall tax rate on the richest 400 households last year was only 23%. Now, in 1950, it was 70%. In 1980, it was 47%. That's what they actually paid. Now it's 23%. And we wonder why this explosion of super riches. We got an explosion of super riches 
because the people who are the recipients of this, by and large, don't care about what's good for society. This is sociopathy. This is sociopathic behavior. They just hire lobbyists to buy politicians to get them the lowest possible tax rate. And the result of that is the absolute destruction of the middle class. Fewer than 50% of Americans are now in the American middle class. 60% of Americans can't afford a $400 expense. They'd be wiped out. 20% of American children don't have adequate nutrition. 10% of American children are living so far below the poverty line, they experience hunger at least one day a year. You've got kids who are showing up for school literally hungry. And it turns out that there's actually a process that got us here. That Christopher Wiley, the guy who worked for Cambridge Analytica, has laid out in a new book. And this is how we got here. And it's a pretty damn scary story. And then I also want to get into what's going on with the NBA. Because I think this is all basically one story. Money rules. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Money rules, principles go out the window. And there you have your sociopathic behavior. George in Del Mar, New Jersey, listening on WBAI. Hey, George, what's up? Not much, Tom. I was just wondering if you had a pitchfork I could borrow. Are you ready to go out in the streets? Uh, Somebody has to do something. This is getting to a point where even if the Democrats get the impeachment, we get rid of this nut. Just the money behind our government is, is enough to get rid of the Democrats as well. I mean, yeah. it's just too much now. But the whole China thing with the NBA is really starting to get, I mean, that, those movies with the uh, Star Wars kind of thing, yeah. I don't think that, that's like a 1984 book of the future. Yeah. The whole, yeah. Empi- the, whole, the whole empire and the striking back and the people have to come together, you know. And Apple backed probably- down yesterday. Apple said, you know, well, there's this app that they, the people in Hong Kong were using to keep track of where the cops were so that they could avoid being, you know, uh, hurt. Right. And, and China's government said, oh, no, they're, they're, they're using that so they know where the cops are so they can attack the police. Um, and so Apple says, okay, we'll do, you know, whatever China wants, we'll do. Well, most of Apple's products are made in China. So, you know, we've got a real serious problem here. I'm with you on that. Thank yeah. you, George. Okay. Well Thanks. said. Carson in Novato, California. Hey, Carson, what's up? Hey, Tom. Um, just want to echo one of the other callers uh, regarding the pitchforks in the street. I, I, I simply am uh, apoplectic that the level of a protest can only be reflected in Twitter and on the Internet and at certain places. Right. That we are not mobilized and not marching in Washington is, to me, an abomination. We have the most criminal president in the history of our nation. History of our nation. This is a moment, a defining moment in our country. If we are unable to take care, and I mean remove legally from office this person who I, whose name I don't even want to repeat, then we are doomed. If they do an impeachment hearing, impeach him in the House, and then he doesn't get convicted in the Senate, and then he gets reelected, then I think we're truly screwed. I think we're going to go down like the European countries did in the 1930s. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archive. And I agree with your sentiment. Being out in the streets, fine thing. But, you know, Pelosi has to pull this off and she has to pull it off right. The other thing I wanted to share with you is the story of Christopher Wiley. 
He's the guy who is working at Cambridge Analytica. Well, actually, first he was working for a Department of Defense contractor. And at the Department of Defense, at this contractor, they were looking into how do we prevent more Americans from being radicalized by ISIS. Right? They were seeing actually, you know, young Americans watching ISIS videos and getting on planes and going off to, to Turkey or wherever the transshipment point was and trying to get into Syria, trying to get into Iraq, trying to get into wherever it may be so they could volunteer to be members of ISIS. And so the question that Christopher Wiley was charged with answering was, what is the personality profile of a person vulnerable to this kind of indoctrination? so that we can basically prevent them from being indoctrinated, so we can immunize them, so we can help them, so we can reach out to them. And they worked up a particular psychological profile of people who are vulnerable to being indoctrinated basically by a cult. And these people typically had money problems. They had struggled with religion and relationships in their lives. They felt marginalized. They were inclined to have particular preferences with regards to things like cars and where they live and how they live. And I mean, there's just this whole psychological profile that was also a behavioral profile, which you could figure out quite easily by simply looking at all the data that Facebook had on them. Facebook knows where they live. Facebook knows how big their house is. Facebook knows what they paid for their house. Facebook knows how, how many times they go on social media. Facebook knows what they complain about. Facebook knows what they're upset about. Facebook knows what their gender preferences are, what issues freak them out, all this kind of stuff. And so with this data from Facebook, it was possible to identify people who might be radicalized by ISIS. So then Christopher Wiley gets hired by Cambridge Analytica. Steve Bannon comes in and basically takes over the company. The billionaire Mercer family is funding this thing. And they say to Christopher Wiley, now we're going to take this tool, this knowledge that you've figured out, and we're going to target Americans. These very Americans, these vulnerable Americans, we're going to target vulnerable Americans with a message that will turn them into the alt-right so that they will support Donald Trump, so that he can become elected president and he will cut the taxes on billionaires like the Mercer family. And he will restore the greatness of a white society to America like Steve Bannon and the alt-right want. And that's exactly what they did. And that's largely how Trump got close enough that he could win through the Electoral College. And as Elizabeth Warren is pointing out right now, they're preparing to do it again. And she's speaking out very loudly about that. But this is, this is exactly what happened. So the question, my question to you is, how do you deprogram a person who's, been, who's bought into this cult that was done with a multi-million dollar marketing campaign, targeting, first screening for, and then targeting vulnerable people, and then essentially breaking them psychologically? How do we help them realize that by aligning themselves with billionaires and polluting corporations, they're hurting themselves? You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. And how do we get back our middle class now that several Republican administrations of giant tax cuts have wiped it out? As a believer in supplements and natural and herbal medicine, I am one to shy away from surgery, especially cosmetic procedures. But let's face it, we all want to look good. Decades of hard work have left its mark and... I found a product that not only works, but meets my non-invasive criteria. I'm talking about Plexiderm. It's derived from shale rock and visibly reduces under eye bags, wrinkles, and crow's feet in minutes. 
No knives, no needles, only naturally derived ingredients. I'm all in and you should be too. Don't believe it, I didn't either until I tried it. Now I don't let my skin give away my age. Within minutes, I'm looking younger again. The best part is Plexiderm goes on clear so nobody will know you're using it, unless you tell them, of course, and the effects last for hours. Go to TryPlexiderm.com and use my code TOM, T-H-O-M, for 50% off plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Don't be a victim of your skin any longer. Visit TryPlexiderm.com and use the code TOM, T-H-O-M, at checkout. That's TryPlexiderm.com or call 800-685-1292. Gary in Baden, Pennsylvania. Hey, Gary, what's on your mind today? The reason I called, because bingo, I think you hit a core thing that obviously I believed for a long time, and I'm not trying to make judgments on anybody in America. I'm just trying to fix the problem, mm. and that is values. And I think what transcends values is one word, humility. And I'm getting increasingly concerned that we lack enough, I'm not saying we don't have any, that we lack enough humility in our culture to solve problems get, and get a person like a liar in chief out of office. Mm. And I'm just hoping, I have my doubts, I'm just hoping because the key here in the electorate to me is the upper middle class and the rich that step up above that. Unless they get involved, and right now they're on the sidelines, they don't give a, a lot of them, I hate to say, don't, I don't think they give a damn about Joe Bag of Donuts. They yeah. really don't. Yeah. It's going to affect them sooner or later. It's not affecting them right now, but it will affect them. And I hope it's not too late for America. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree, Gary. We learn our values and the principles of our values typically from our families, but we also learn them from the larger family, which is called society. And the father figure, and hopefully someday the mother figure, of our country, of our uber society, our larger society, the largest of the society, or one of the largest of the societies in which we live, is the president. And when the president says that there are no values, when the president literally right. lies every day, when the president revels in his lies, when the president promotes the idea that if I get away with it, that makes it okay, then that gets adopted by people who really didn't have strong values instilled in them or by young people who right. are still trying to develop their values, which I think is one of the reasons why we're seeing these young Republicans coming up and going on TV and doing these debates as if they were little mini mm -hmm. Trumps, you know, the mm -hmm. whole Kellyanne Conway thing. Yeah, spot on. Mm -hmm. Gary well said. Thank you very much for the call. Margie in Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, Margie, what's up? I think you have it backwards. Okay. Tell me how. I think we have a sociopath in the White House because we don't have values. We've claimed to have values. Well, I thought I was making that point that in the 1980s, when in the Reagan revolution, we set aside, basically Reagan came along with, Thatcher said this in 1979, there's no such thing as society. There's only a collection of individuals and families. And Reagan said it, you know, on steroids. The only thing that matters is profit. The only thing that matters is the individual. He said this in his first his inaugural remarks, he said, government is not the solution to our problems. Government is the problem. In other words, people working collectively for each other's benefit is what's wrong with American society. This was Reagan saying this. And the Republican Party has adopted that whole hog, as has American business, and, and as did about half the Democratic Party, although they're kind of fading away. But forgive my interrupting, Margie, you were going somewhere with that. But even before that, we claimed to have American values, but mm. when those values are only applied to 
maybe one third of the population. Right. What kind of values are there? Yeah, good point. Good point. When it was just white men, and it still is to a large extent. But you're absolutely right. Yeah, very, very well said. Thank you very much. John in Santa Fe, Texas. Hey, John, what's up? Yeah, hi, Tom. Just regarding quickly the degradation of values, all you have to do is talk to a government worker at IRS or SSA and see exactly how things have gone down. I mean, this guy's let the dogs out, and I think that would have happened win or lose that he would have presented it. Well, the IRS has stopped auditing rich people because so many IRS agents have been fired because of the budget cuts that Republicans have inflicted on the IRS over the last 20 years, that they literally cannot afford the year-long period of time that it takes to audit a genuinely rich person. So now they're just auditing working-class people. <laughs> it's, yep. it's crazy. Yep, that'd, and, be, and, and, that'd be me after this call, probably. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and probably a trillion dollars is being left on the table because the rich are getting more and yep. more brazen in their tax evasion schemes. Yeah, I remember how Dukakis got slammed for trying to get some of that money back in the TDA. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk, too, about the, the, the business with Syria. I know we don't have any diplomats in Syria, you know, because we have no relations. But the ambassadorships, you know, we have, like, 40 open ambassadorships, and the Constitution states that he shall appoint. Right. That's another impeachable offense. I mean, no one's talking about that, too, and I feel like that's related to Ukraine and all these other places. If you go back and you read the, uh, the debates in the Constitutional Convention, and uh, in fact, the day was July 20, 1787, was the day that they debated the impeachment clause. And uh, mm -hmm. several people suggested that one of the basis, one of the arguments, originally it was like, okay, it's got to be a crime, treason or some mm -hmm. other crime. And then somebody else said, no, well, what about maladministration? I mean, you know, we've removed them from maladministration. In other words, doing just a, doing a crappy job. And they decided ultimately that high crimes and misdemeanors was a phrase that didn't require actual criminal code. It simply required a high crime was misuse of high office. And the highest office mm -hmm. in the land is the White House, is the presidency. So, John, I think, you know, right now, I think the founders would agree with you. And right now what we're looking at is that kind of maladministration, which goes back to how Trump has no values. He doesn't understand or believe in democracy or even the rule of law. This is the sociopath society pathology, a sickness in society, not caring about society. You and I, in all probability, when we walk into a store, we're not looking around, where's the cops? Because I really want to shoplift. We don't shoplift, not because we're afraid of the police, but because we just know it's wrong. We, we learned right from wrong. We don't speed because we know the speed limit laws are there so that, you know, we all get home safely. Or if we do speed, it's just a little tiny bit. We don't walk into a bank and say to the teller, you know, give me a lot of hundreds. Not because we're afraid of going to prison as a bank robber, but because, you know, society wouldn't work if everybody did that. We all get this. Donald Trump doesn't. His entire life, he's gotten away with doing things that are outside the realm of right and wrong, and in many cases, outside the realm of the law. And now that sociopathic thinking has spread to his followers has spread to right-wing hate radio and Fox News, has spread to the Republican Party, and is spreading around the world. We're seeing it infect Brazil now with Bolsonaro, Orban in Hungary, Duda in Poland, Duterte in the Philippines. 
We're seeing it with Xi in China right now, the whole thing with the NBA. Money is the only thing that matters, right, on both sides. We're seeing it with Modi in India and what he's doing in Kashmir right now, which seems to have slipped off the front pages. We're seeing it with the Saudis bombing the bejesus out of Yemen. We're losing our values. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And I think a large part of the reason why is that we have a sociopath in the White House who has become our national example. George, what's up, George? I was listening to your program, and then I flipped over to Stephen A. Smith on ESPN. And with regard to the NBA situation where that executive made a quote supporting the Hong Kong Oh, democracy to protesters. Yeah, yeah, protestations, yeah. I listened to Stephen A. Smith, who sided with the money side. He indicated how much money was involved and that it should have been a better way of dealing with it. And while I've always listened to him and appreciated his commentary, that bothered me as an American, and I'm saying, have we really sunk this bad? You compare it to Ukraine, and what does it say? That... I asked you to do me a favor so you can get what you want. Stephen A. Smith was saying billions of dollars can be lost in the NBA because of this comment. This man, uh, Daniel Morey, should have thought about it before he said it, and look at all that it's affected and how much money could be lost. Yeah. And I thought that was crass, and, and I, it was upsetting. It was disturbing. And I'm an African-American. And believe me, I'm an African-American who's been very active and Afrocentric. But that, to me, I mean, even though we have problems, I still say this is the best country in the world to live in because I can still have a, a, a fight. Right. Yeah, but the problem... turned me off so much. Yeah, I'm with you, George. The problem isn't, as uh, apparently Stephen Smith said, I don't, you know, I don't watch ESPN, so I'm not sure who that is, but I get your point. But the problem isn't that, you know, one of the NBA team owners or managers or whatever role he had said something nice about pro-democracy protesters. The problem is that the NBA got into bed with China in the first place. And this, exactly. is, this is the problem that exactly. the rest of corporate America has. They're all in bed with China. Exactly, and because the issue then was, not just that the NBA was affected, but it also affects a lot of these other corporate entities who think forward and say, well, look, look what it could do to my income possibilities. I mean, is there a point where you say, wait a minute, this is, in order to make money, this is what I have to get in bed with? They've already suppressed Google, yeah. from what I understand. Yeah. And, you know, there's numerous large corporations, particularly the manufacturing companies, that are just totally in bed with China. And frankly, I haven't heard one peep, two and a half years of the Trump administration, not one peep about human rights pretty much anywhere in the world. Instead, you've got Donald Trump sucking up to dictators in countries where, by coincidence, whether it's the Philippines or whether it's Turkey, uh, you know, where he has Trump Towers, you know, where he's where he's making money or, or Russia, where he wants to have a Trump Tower, where he was planning on having a Trump Tower as soon as he lost the election. And then and then he won and he was like, holy cow, what do we do now? But yeah, spot on, George. It's about the principles. Well, that doesn't surprise me before you go about Trump. I'm from New York, remember. I'm 76 years old. So you, you know who do he that, is. But you will. Yeah, there you yes, go. Yes, I do. You know who he is. George, thank yeah, you yes. for the call. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Rose, listening to WBAI in Flemington, New Jersey. What's up? 
What I'm concerned about is that this country seems to have had an overload of Ritalin in its Kool-Aid, or maybe something a little stronger. Mm-hmm. First of all, we don't read anymore. You know, I mean, it's gotten so demented, it's pitiful. That's why people like that can get where they get, because nobody reads, nobody, you know, nobody says, well, wait a minute, I think I saw a map 40 years ago. Right. Now, to the Kurds' point of view... I don't remember if you recall. By the way, I've been blind for 15 years. But before that time, I used to go to great museums like the Met and saw all the art from Afghanistan and from uh, Mm. Iraq. And I've been paying attention very hard to this. And I know, if you remember the picture on the New York Times, was a woman on the back of a pickup truck. She was a Kurd lady with an AK-47 or, you know, Barry Mm. Kalishnikov. Uh, they're going to have a hard time with those girls. Those girls are going to put up a fight. I mean, that's the old Silk Road. Mm-hmm. And um, the Kurdish people are, are very, very bright. They're not stupid. That's right. They will trick these Looney Tunes into the caves that are subcontractors. Oh, the Kurds, uh, Kurds have been fighting this fight for a thousand years. Yeah, exactly. Just like the Iranians have, just like the Persians have. I mean, you know, you've got got these groups that are not just, they don't just think of themselves as racial groups or religious groups or ethnic groups or political groups. They think of themselves as all those things and family, you know, and you die for your family. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, it's like the Vietnam War. We were not prepared for jungle warfare either at the end of World War II or in Vietnam. Yep. And when you've lived in those kind of societies where somebody's going to stomp through and you know take what you got for so many centuries, you know every nook and cranny, you know every point to peek down and shoot. And this is not going to be an easy piece of cake. Uh, it's all part of the project for the new American century. Yep. They had decided they were going to go to first take out Libya, then Syria. No, That's first Iraq. First Iraq, but but yeah, spot on. And I look forward to future conversations with you. Very, very observ- you know, great observations. Thank you so much for the call. John in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? I feel that the poor white feel more as a problem because they felt entitled. Because wages are leveling out all over the world. In other words, the Chinese want to get paid higher. So when Trump came out and said, make America great again, I, as a black man, knew exactly what he was saying. And everybody knew exactly what he was saying. So basically, he's taking people off of an intellectual level and putting them on an emotional level. Yep. So that's how he's getting... That's what cult leaders do, John. Yeah. And so he has people voting against their own interests. You know, a poor white person and a poor black person is in the same boat. Yep. So, and like middle class, it's not hardly any middle class anymore. So basically, it's a con game because I've been in business and I've dealt with, you know, rich whites. And they are less racial because not that they like you, but they don't like anybody. (laughs) I'm not saying (laughs) all of them. I get it. I get it. And so that's my reply. I think your observation is spot on, John. Thank you for calling and sharing it with us. Terry in Lowell, Massachusetts. Hey, Terry, what's on your mind today? You know, you have a lot of insight on a lot of things. At one point, my kind of my question and comment is, what percentage of the Chinese economy is actually U.S. corporations that have offloaded jobs over there 
Initially, and, it was you know, really, really high. I would say back through the 90s, it was really substantial. I mean, like 70, 80 percent. But now you find European companies are manufacturing in China. South American companies are manufacturing in China. It's like you find Chinese goods all over the world, you know, privately labeled or labeled under the brands of other companies. So, and also China has developed a huge internal market. There are more middle class people in China than there are in the United States now. So I'm guessing that it's probably down in the 20s or 30s. But this is just all wild ass guesses on my part, Steve. Yeah, I, you know, I think I looked it up online once. It came back 40 percent or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But, you know, that's the bottom line. You can talk about China and the Chinese government, but really what we're talking about to a large economic activity is, is U.S. corporations yeah. and where they've chosen to put their resources. And not just U.S. corporations generally. It's not just like, you know, Toys R Us and Ivanka Trump clothing brand stuff being made in China and, you know, sold in Walmart or Kmart or whatever it may be. We can't make a cruise missile right now without parts from China. We can't make a you know nuclear strike force battle carrier group without parts from China. And there have been a few kind of people who have been viewed as crackpots who have been pointing this out for over a decade now. They tend to get marginalized and more often than not, you know, Democrats like Sherrod Brown has been pointing this stuff out or people outside the party like Mike Ravel who's been pointing this stuff out. But this isn't just an economic security issue. This is a national security issue. And we do need, I mean, you know, when Trump campaigned on how we've all been screwed by first the NAFTA deal and then the WTO, the stuff that was put together during the Reagan administration and then implemented during the Clinton administration, and that both Republicans and neoliberal Democrats have been in bed with each other on, you know, ever since the 1980s. Trump was absolutely right about that. The problem is that the solution is not to do this by executive order under state of emergency, which is how Trump is doing it, because that can get wiped out as soon as the president leaves office. And nobody's going to build a factory based on what one single president says. The solution is for Congress to pass laws to bring back the tariffs that we had prior to the Reagan administration. Go back to a protectionist trade policy that encourages manufacturers to manufacture here. And it's going to take a decade for factories to be rebuilt in the United States. At least. And so if we cut off the Chinese or they cut us off, suddenly the shock will go both ways. That's why it's like, you know, mutual assured destruction here, Steve. You know, our economy is still a heck of a lot larger than China. And most no, people it's don't not. recognize that. And China, they look it up. China's, China's economy is now $15 trillion, and ours is between 17 and 19, depending on how you calculate it. But last year it was $15 trillion for China, and they're growing at 6%. I mean, that's huge. Find anything from Home Depot that's not made in China. Yeah, yeah, exactly, or Walmart or anything else. Steve, thanks for the call. CBD oil seems to be everywhere. There's a reason for that. It really does appear to have some significant health benefits. I use New Leaf Natural CBD oil and love it. CBD oil is not intoxicating. It doesn't get you high, so it's great for people who want the cannabinoids without, you know, the mind-altering effects of medical marijuana. It's non-toxic, has potent pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory properties, and uh, New Leaf Naturals is the brand I trust the most. New Leaf Naturals is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, contains no additional additives, grown in the USA, and the only ingredient is hemp, so the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com. That's N-U-Leafnaturals.com. Save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. Go to N-U-Leafnaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, newleafnaturals.com. N-U-Leafnaturals.com. newleafnaturals.com. 
Patrick on Long Island in New York. Hey, Patrick, what's up? I was just thinking two things. I had an experience over the weekend where I spoke with a Trump voter and had mentioned that Trump had basically extorted the Ukraine, you know, and that that was not really the way to talk to people. And she said, well, I know a whole lot of people, and it's more or less a wealthy circle that would think that that kind of talk was perfectly okay. Right. And the second part yeah, I wanted the, the to make the ends is, justify the means, in other words. Correct. If it's a little bit of a tax break for them and more money in their pocket, so what? You know, exactly. let him talk what he wants. Yeah. But Did you see the piece that David Brooks wrote in the New York Times about this yesterday or the day before? No, I had It's really worth reading. Anyhow, continue your rant. On the other hand, Trump, as all of the showmen, he's friends with Vince McMahon from wrestling. He knows the art of finding people's vulnerable spot, which is usually their anger. That's the first one that they can come up without them thinking too much about it. Yep, That's one of the things that Cambridge Analytica was filtering out of Facebook for. Finding people who, I hate to say it, but disenfranchised from life and are angry. That's right. That's right. And then those were the people that they indoctrinated and said, okay, you're going to become the alt-right, guys. Get ready. And they did. And now, you know, as Elizabeth Warren is tweeting and she's talking about this, and and God bless her for having the courage to take on Facebook, is that Facebook is fixing to rig our elections again the exact same way with many of the same players. Patrick, thanks for the call. Morris in Long Beach, California, listening on KPFK. Hey, Morris, what's up? Hey, Professor, perfect strategy for the Democrats. Don't do nothing. Stay out of the way. No, don't say anything. Let this fool continue to defy Congress, these subpoenas that they're sending out. Mm-hmm. You see, Professor, down here on the ground, when you get a subpoena, you go to court. Now, if you don't respect the subpoena, the next step is you're looking for a warrant for your arrest. Right. Whatever happened to the rule of law I heard you talking about. So they don't need to do anything. Let this fool continue to defy these subpoenas because the American public who don't read nothing, who are not very intelligent, they're not that stupid. They know about defying subpoenas. And if you notice these numbers, they're going up, up, up for impeachment, the inquiry, the whole thing. And why is it going up? Not because of our messaging, because of what they're doing. They're defying the rule of law in front of all of us and the American public. They're going to make them pay. Now, if Congress ain't got the power to get to, to do nothing, I promise you the people do. But Congress has got to do something. Forget what the price might be, because you got that inherit that, that responsibility to do something when, when things like this are taking place. But the Democrats, my brother, they got dirt on their hands, too. So so don't do nothing. Just let these fools continue to defy subpoenas openly, yeah. and they'll just cut their own throats. Yeah, you know, subpoena is Latin for under penalty. Sub is under, pina is part of penalty, the word of penalty. And that's what we're talking about here. You know, these subpoenas are under threat of penalty. You will perform whatever the subpoena tells you to do. You'll turn over papers or you'll come and testify or whatever. And yeah, Soderlund was invited to speak. He had volunteered to speak. Now he's been ordered by Bill Barr, by the Justice Department, not to speak. And so now they're going to issue a subpoena. And, you know, we'll see where that goes. We'll see what happens. Liberty in Seattle, what's up? Hi there. I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about the thing happening in Syria with the Kurds. Yeah. And how it's actually related to the impeachment scandal. Heather Cox Richardson, she's a historian. She's got this theory that basically it's all connected back to how Trump was elected by Russia And the whole hope of why Russia basically threw itself behind Trump's campaign was that they want these sanctions to be lifted, specifically on Rosneft, which is their oil company, right? Right. So in the Kurdish area, there's all this oil, right? And Rosneft has been trying to get access to it for years. And the where is all this oil? 
in Kurdistan. Oh, and, like, oh yeah. In the area yeah, the Kurds are sitting on some of the most oil-rich parts of Iraq, for example. Right, I mean, you know. exactly. And how it's connected back to Ukraine is this is also a very oil-rich area, right? right? So that's all Russia has is oil, although they're running out in their areas, so they're going to other places to get it. So right. basically... What happened is, like, Rosneft announced that it was going to convert all of its um, holdings to euros because they, the, the sanctions in yeah, the U.S. Yeah, they, they announced there, so this a couple of, uh, just a couple of days ago. That's right. And so this is actually an act. So her theory is that this is actually an act of Trump to try to do what he can at the last minute because he's probably not going to have much control to lift any sanctions, right? So, right. And also he's been offered sort of a percentage of Rosneft. Anyway, oh, interesting, interesting theory. I just would love yeah. to know what you think about that. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I, I suspect rather than being given a piece of Rosneft, he's been promised that he'll have his Trump Tower Moscow and that the and maybe even the Russians will help him build it. I mean, you know, who knows? But we, we really, I mean, one, yeah, I mean, you know, after the Saudis bought the 45th Tower floor of uh, Trump Tower, I mean, <laughs> we've seen Trump just basically admit he's owned by them. Liberty, thank you for the call. So one more example of Donald Trump saying, well, we don't need to play by the rules. Rules are for suckers. Minneapolis, the Target Center, it's named after Target, right? Everything is being what used to be, you know, owned by cities, built by cities, things like stadiums and whatnot. Now they're all selling branding rights. But in any case, the Target Center in Minneapolis and the city of Minneapolis is saying to Donald Trump, you want to come here and do a rally? Cool. Pay for your security in advance. Now, why would they say that? Trump is all huffing and puffing. And, you know, there's a story over in the, the Minneapolis Star Tribune about this and how the city calculated exactly what the, the expenses would be. And they based it on previous events of a similar size and things. And it's not an unreasonable amount, $530,000. What the article in the Star Tribune does not point out, but you can easily find, you know, with a really simple just little Google search, is, for example, this is from NBCNews.com by David Leventhal. The headline kind of says the whole thing. Why hasn't the Trump campaign paid its police security bills? The article, Donald Trump asked a cheering crowd during his rally in Lebanon, Ohio, do we love law enforcement or what? Thank you, law enforcement, Trump said. You guys are heroes. So then the Lebanon City Town Hall sends the Trump campaign an invoice for $16,191 for police overtime for the cops who were there and were protecting him. And Trump never paid it. Still isn't paid. Hasn't been paid to this day. At least nine other city governments, from Mesa, Arizona, to Erie, Pennsylvania, are still waiting for Trump to pay public safety-related invoices they've sent his presidential campaign committee in connection with his political rallies. According to interviews with local officials and municipal records obtained by the Center for Public Integrity. This is from NBC News. Some invoices are three years old. Trump's campaign is just from looking at public news stories about towns that Trump is refusing to pay. It's almost a million bucks. So Minneapolis says, cool, you want to come to town? El Paso, Texas. 
Trump owes them $470,000 for security. Hasn't paid them. So Minneapolis is saying, you want to come to town? Pay in advance. And Trump says, today, they're going to sue Minneapolis. This is getting weird. Mitchell in Las Vegas. Hey, Mitchell. Thanks for waiting on hold How so are you? long. What's, uh, I'm well. Thanks for watching Free Speech TV, too. What's on your mind today? Well, I just want to talk about Trump for just a minute mm-hmm. and point out a few things that people have forgot. He pulled us out of that pollution agreement that the whole world signed on to that I thought was a chance for the whole world to come together. You're talking about the Paris Accords. The the Paris Accords, yes. He he pulled us out of of the... He's got our government so weak with all these acting officials that we have instead of, you know, actually properly vetted officials. Yep, he's He's gutting our government. and, And he's also putting us straight on to a war footing that he has done since day one by dividing us, dividing NATO, and insulting all of our countries, all the world's leaders, one after the other, in, in a way that a child wouldn't do. Talk me down off of this. No, you're, Mitchell, what you're describing is actually what's happening. What you have to keep in mind, these guys don't believe in democracy. They don't believe in the founding values of this country. Conservatives literally from day one, I mean, from the beginning of our republic, there have been conservatives who felt that it was a dangerous thing to have too much democracy. It was a dangerous thing to have the Senate directly elected by the people, so they had the states put them in there. It was a dangerous thing to have the president even elected by the people, so they created the Electoral College. There's always been this distrust of democracy, this dynamic tension between the Jeffersons of the world, who at least speaking on behalf of white men were saying, you know, everybody should have a chance to participate. And that ultimately, arguably became everybody versus the Adams and Hamiltons of the day who said the rabble, the mob, that's what democracy is. It's not a good thing, etc. So Trump is simply, I mean, he's just vulgar and coarse but he's saying the exact same things that Ronald Reagan was saying, the, same, the exact same things that Richard Nixon was saying, the same exact things that George Herbert Walker Bush and George W. Bush were saying, and basically the same things that all the Republicans in the House and Senate are saying and have been saying forever, which is, you know, we don't trust democracy and, and we're going to try and break the government. What we really want is an autocracy. We want autocrats. We want a strong president. In fact, right now, Donald Trump is running ads on CNN and MSNBC talking about how he's a tough guy. It takes a tough guy to clean up the swamp in Washington, D.C. Well, that's an ad for autocracy, for an autocrat, for a tough guy, a strong man rule. And, you know, there's always going to be a certain percentage of people, uh, typically about 20%, who are called authoritarian followers because of the way that they were born or the way that they grew up, who are looking for a tough guy. They're looking for a strong leader, and Donald Trump is positioning himself as that. But I hope that the rest of us who believe in democracy, who believe that the, you know, the, the people at the end of the day typically are right, it may take a while to get there, but if we trust in democracy, you know, we could have that republic that Ben Franklin told Mrs. Mitchell about if we can hang on to it. So I'm with you, Mitchell. I have one last thought. Yeah. I thought our country was very great before the election. Yeah, amen. Amen. I would say uh, Trump has made us great G-R-A-T-E, right? (laughs) He shredded us. Mitchell, thank you for the call. Until last year, I'd never endorsed a weight loss product, but I decided to change that after reading about university research into a molecule in olive oil that regulates appetite. My wife convinced me there was one that was worth sharing. A year later, I'd have to say she was right. The key to losing weight is getting your appetite and those pesky food cravings under control. Once you do that, the rest is easy. My producer, Sean, is now trying Ridges on, too. 
Who doesn't want to lose a few pounds before the holidays? Sean says Ridgizone is making it easy for her to stick with her weight loss plan. Just one capsule with breakfast and forget it. A second one at dinner for days when you need a little extra help. Sean says when you don't feel hungry, it's easier to make better choices. The only ingredient in Ridgizone occurs naturally in the body and is completely non-stimulant. And that appealed to both Louise and Sean. Listen, if you're looking to lose weight this season, I strongly suggest you give non-prescription Ridgizone a try. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and receive up to 65% off plus free shipping. Go to Riduzone.com right now. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. R-I-D-U-Zone.com. Riduzone.com. Promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, Riduzone.com. Tom Harmon here with you. You'll recall where I started with this rant and, and I, the continuous thread through the whole thing, whether it's the fact that the 400 richest families in America who now control more wealth than the bottom 80 percent or 90 percent of Americans, that they are now paying a lower income tax rate than you or I do than, than any basically any working people, anybody making you know, between you know, 20 and whatever thousand uh, dollars a year, that it's if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything, right? That's the old cliche. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. If you don't stand for principles, then you've got nothing. And the principle that American business has been standing for since the 1980s, since the Reagan revolution, since we reconfigured our political system and our economic system in the mold of Chicago School economics, of Milton Friedman and, the, and, and those whack jobs over there, the libertarians, the objectivists and whatnot, the principle that they've been holding to is profit, that money is the only thing that counts. And now we're seeing this very delicate dance playing out with American companies doing business in China. And in fact, depending on China for their survival. I mean, you've got major toy companies in the United States that if they had to stop buying from China tomorrow, they'd be out of business, you know, take them a year or two to build factories here in the United States or find, you know, find other sources or build factories in other countries. They'd probably start, you know, in Vietnam or something first if Congress wasn't to pass some sort of comprehensive protectionist legislation, you know, like tariffs and things, which Congress frankly should. But the bottom line is that the NBA, I mean, this is so amazing. This guy, and forgive me if I get any of these details wrong, I don't follow sports. You know, I love watching baseball, and I like watching football, actually. But basketball never even, I played it a little bit when I was in high school, but never really interested me. So I, I don't know who any of these teams are, any of these owners are. But in any case, apparently, the general manager of the Houston Rockets, Mr. Morey, said something about, you know, the Hong Kong protesters, you like basically go democracy, which is supposed to be an American value, right? It used to be we didn't suck up to dictators or, well, we always have actually. I mean, you know, the Saudis, uh, we made them basically, but we didn't do it like publicly. Publicly, we said, oh no, you know, the Soviet Union, we don't like those values. We don't like dictator value. We like democratic countries, democratic republics. We like the European countries. We like Canada. We want Mexico to be less corrupt and more democratic, small d. We used to say that. And now we don't. Now Trump is saying, hey, it doesn't matter. Crimes don't matter. Congress doesn't matter. The rule of law doesn't matter. What matters is if I win. I mean, he's got, you know, in Scotland, they're suing him 
for paying legal fees because he sued to try to stop a wind farm off the coast of Scotland that would have been in the line of sight of his property at Tunbury. He lost, and part of losing was he had to pay the legal fees of the government because he instituted the lawsuit. And the Trump organization is now saying, oh, sorry, we're not going to pay. And he doesn't care about the law. And now you've got, you know, the NBA stuck in the middle of this thing with Hong Kong. And you've got a bunch of other American companies that are just keeping their heads down. I mean, the NBA is looking at literally a billion and a half dollar streaming deal with Tencent, which is a streaming company in China. And China just said, okay, that's it. We're not going to, you know, this is for uh, CCTV, for China, for the China, China's uh, central television network. In fact, I've been on CCTV. One of my first producers, just a wonderful woman, went to work for CCTV in Washington, D.C. They have said now, no, we're not going to play the pregame shows, the NBA pregame shows. In other words, the NBA is threatened with losing money. But now Adam Silver has come out and said, well, we support Maury's right to free speech, but we also you know, kind of like China. We don't mean to insult you guys. Now, you've got airlines like United Airlines that have literally changed their route maps and their airline designations to indicate that Taiwan is not a separate country and that Macau is not a separate country, that they're part of China. You've got American companies like United Airlines sucking up to the Chinese. You've got American companies like Apple and Microsoft sucking up to the Chinese, hundreds of them. And the NBA now is kind of caught in the middle. You know, what do we do? Do we stand for American values? Well, I guess the question is, do American values even matter anymore? I mean, as the Chinese crackdown is going on, Trump hasn't said a word. Used to be, I mean, think back to Tiananmen Square. Tiananmen Square was in the, uh, in the very late 80s, was it not, as I recall? 89, thank you, Nate. In 1989, that would have been George Herbert Walker Bush's presidency. So you had a Republican in office, and still we were speaking out about China massacring people in the streets. But, oh, no, not now. Not a word out of Donald Trump. And these are, these are protesters who are walking around carrying, you know, statues of liberty as their logos and, and American flags. And this is where it gets really grim. The Chinese came out and said, this is from uh, Chinese state media, we are strongly unsatisfied and opposed to Adam Silver's claim of supporting Mr. Mori's right of having freedom of speech. Any remarks that challenge national sovereignty and social stability are outside the category of freedom of speech. Now, how long before that kind of thinking becomes how we think here in the United States? Trump just you know, tweeted last week, congratulations to President Xi and the Chinese people on the 70th anniversary of the People's Republic of China. Was there a word in support of the Hong Kong protesters or just in support of the idea of you know, pluralistic democracy? No. Because the only value, the one singular value that Donald Trump has and that the Trump administration has and that American business has is money, is making money. So we're seeing the Kurds being abandoned because Trump was afraid to stand up to, to Erdogan and because he owns two Trump Towers in Istanbul, Turkey. And I'll bet you anything, 
it, when we finally get the transcript that Erdogan was saying, hey, nice little hotel you got there. Be a shame if something happened to it. So Trump is like, yeah, screw the Kurds. I mean, this is where we're at. And these poor Trumpettes, these poor people who follow Donald Trump, who listen to right-wing hate radio and, and live in the Fox News ecosphere, the, the little bubble around Trump TV, these poor people, you know, what are our values? Are we in favor of the middle class? Trump talks about bringing back our jobs. Oh, Trump doesn't want to. Oh. What are our values? Oh, uh, rich people getting tax cuts. I guess that's a good thing, isn't it? Maybe. Well, you know, at least he's, he's making it hard for more brown and black people to get into America. Isn't that a good thing? In so many cases, that's where we're left. That's what it all boils down to. Bart in Bellevue, Washington, listening to KBCS. Hey, Bart, what's up? Hey, Tom. Oh, I'm calling from Bellevue. That's right. Where we had rain, sleet, snow, and I think in the far distance I see locusts coming. I don't know. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but in any case, I'd like to make two quick salient points, if I may. Sure. I'd like to respectfully submit to you and our listeners that the definitions of the schlump in the White House is that, number one, he's inept. Yes. And look up the definition of that. You'll see what it is. Well, and just look and at his business one, career. It's obvious, he, yeah. He's had more failures than successes, and the successes well, yeah, he's had. Well, yeah, he's, he's, he's running the government like he's running his business. Right. And the second one, just as bad, he's basically evil incarnate. Right. And if you look up that definition, definitely he's uh, yeah. who he and is. That, that's probably debatable, but that's part of that debate is around what is the definition of evil. But if you go with Hannah Arendt's, you know, the banality of evil, that that's the most dangerous evil is just the kind of routine, you well, know, he's the, he, yeah, the he's guys who are keeping the trains himself, running that, that when they were filled with Jews, that kind people. of evil. My main problem with Trump, besides other main problems, is that he has no connection to the arts. Right. He has no connection one way of the arts. Never had anything at the White House. Never. He snubs the Kennedy Center. Other than paintings of himself. He has no connection to the arts. He has no connection to humor. He never smiles. He doesn't laugh. He has no connection to pets or animals. He brags about the fact that he never changed a diaper. He doesn't like kids. I mean, there's something seriously wrong with this guy. Bart, thanks for putting your finger on it. We'll be right back. In Abbeville, Georgia, Lola. Hey, Lola, what's up? I just wanted to touch on the fact that knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. And most of the abuses in the world are learned in the home, in dysfunctional families, where, you know, it's like Joseph and his brothers. And, you know, the deal that I'm talking about, psychologically speaking, you're taught in your home that there's one that isn't as good as the other. When your mom and dad aren't of the same mindset, and somebody has to dump on somebody. Well, apparently both of Trump's parents dumped on Trump. I mean, his father didn't like him. He thought he was a loser. They couldn't yeah. handle him. They finally sent him off to military school when he was a, you know, before he was even a teenager. And then when he came yeah. home in the summer, his mother, all by herself, went off to Scotland. Yeah. And you know, so, they say when you know when kids are like by the age of five or eight or whatever. They identify with the successful parent who usually is the abuser. That was, and that was his dad. Yeah. Yeah, And it's just a whole society and world run by bullies, you know, Putin and, and, you know, the dictators and. Yep. And Trump is embracing them all. Yeah. And, but yeah, because birds of a feather, you know. I agree. But until we get into schools or something, I don't believe in the government going up in your homes. 
you know, but they're locking up our men, they're locking up our boys to create a dysfunctional society that they can capitalize on. Yep, and they're making money locking people up on top of that. Yeah, you know, and now yeah, they're, yeah, and now yeah, they're yeah, locking yeah. up children like crazy. I mean, it's 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 nuts. Lola, thank yeah. you so much for your contribution. I appreciate, you know, for, for what you said on the, on the air. Brilliant. Matt in Somerville, South Carolina. Hey, Matt, what's on your mind? Oh, yes, sir. I'd just like to say that we should have known that this man wasn't a patriot. Had they treated him like they treated Mohammed Ali when he was drafted in 1965, then maybe he would answer the subpoenas. But I think his objective right now is to be a real billionaire by the time he leaves office. Because every weapon sale that is sold, he gets a cut. I think you're right. I th- and by the way, you'll recall when he was in the primary, he said, I'm going to be the first. If, he said, if I win, I'm going to be the first guy ever to make money on the presidency. That's right. And he's, and he's doing actually it. doing it right before our eyes. And he continually right. tries to promote the fact that he's a patriot. If he was a patriot, we could have used his help in Vietnam. I left half of my kneecap over there. Oh, my. Oh, my. Yeah. And, okay. and could that bone spurs didn't even show up. Matt, thank no, you for the call. And, and, and th- thank you, yeah, thank you very much. And thanks for sharing your story. George in Livingston, Texas. Hey, George, what's on your mind? Oh, I was just going to say that what's happened is that we still have kids in, in cages here yes. in Texas. Yeah, 20,000 of them across the country right now. That's right. The other day I passed under a freeway in Houston, and there was people living under the bridge in tents. Yes. That shouldn't happen. No. And yet, the conversation we're having today is all about Trump. He's a scoundrel. He's terrible. He's got to get out of office. Yeah, he's, he's a con man. He's a grifter. He's, he's, and he's very smart as a grifter. He, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to do it. He's been doing it his whole entire life. George, thank you. Thank you for the call. Boy, what a day. Just a heads up again, Minneapolis, Trump is going to sue them because they want him to pay up front for security because nine or ten cities now have sent him bills for security that he'd promised to pay and he's not paying it. The guy is a grifter. And all the Republicans around him are in on the grift. Anyhow, we'll continue tomorrow. In the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. It actually requires you. Really, it does. So get out there, get active. Tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.